Amen. Well, thank you for that. I enjoyed hearing you sing. Enjoyed worshiping with you. Welcome to those of you who are online. We're glad you're joining us as well. If you have your Bibles with you, please open them with me to Matthew chapter 7. You'll want a copy of the Word, whether on your uh, screen or uh, a paper version, but it would be great for you to be able to look at something today um, so you can uh, kind of follow along as we, as we go. Here's the homework for today. By the end of this morning, I'd like you to be able to finish uh, this, this sentence. I will, and then I'd like you to state something you're going to do for someone in particular. So for who? Who will you do this for? And then the question that I know I have to answer is, why should I? Why should I? Because uh, when we're talking about loving sacrificially, as Cheyenne mentioned, then that comes at a great price, and we have to have a strong why. So what is our why? So, for example, as we think our way back through the Sermon on the Mount, you might think, which is Jesus' longest block of teaching, which is what we've been teaching through, you might think of Matthew chapter 6, verse 2, where Jesus talks about doing acts of mercy. So actually doing acts of mercy. So what, what should you do? Actually be merciful. Actually do something about someone's need. For who? Well, for someone who can't repay you or with no expectation of return. Now, why should I? Well, we'll, we'll talk about that. Or you're thinking your way back through the Sermon on the Mount. What should we do? Well, we should pray. Who should we pray for? Well, people that persecute us. Jesus told us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Why should I? Well, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. You know, what should we do? Well, we should reconcile. We should go and talk to people who are mad at us. Why? Well, we'll talk about that. So this is where we're going today, okay? We're going to try to fill this in. I will, and I want you to be able to think of something really concrete, something really practical. This is going to be as practical as you make it. I will do something, in, something practical, something concrete, something specific for, I'd like you to have the name in there, and then we'll talk about why. Okay? Let's pray before we jump in. Dear Heavenly Father, this is your word. You're calling us to yourself. Lord, through the power of your spirit, bring it home into our lives. Change us for good. Stand in front of me while I'm in front of them. Talk over me while I talk to them. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. Um, before we jump in, I just kind of want to reset where we are. We're doing a series called Next Steps. And so as we move through this block of Jesus' teaching, we said, let's say that you buy into this. And you're like, you know what? I am. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get right with God. I'm going to obey Jesus' teaching. Where do most people start? 
where will most people start is with their spouse or with their kids or with their coworkers, and they say, those folks really need this. Those folks need to change. Those, those people are getting it all wrong, and I've got to help them get it right. And Jesus says, wait, wait, wait. Stop, stop, stop. How about you start with you? So he said, first take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. So first, next step, I will start with me. I'm not going to start with you. I'm going to start with me, okay? Next step, number two, when I take that first step of I will start with me, I realize I am hard to deal with. I realize that it's not as easy to change me as I thought it was going to be. I realize I am difficult material. And so what I have to do is I have to ask for help. And this is where Jesus promised, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. For the one who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. The one who knocks it will be opened. Jesus is saying six, six times, God will help you. He will answer your prayers. Net first step, okay? First step, I will start with me. Step number two, I will ask for help. Step number three, this is what he will help you with. Verse number 12 is what he will help you with. Other stuff too, but this in particular. The whole Sermon on the Mount has been driving to this point so far. Here we are, Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. So, okay, that first word there tells you it, this is coming as a result of what came before it. So, whatever you wish the others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So, whatever you wish the others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. The law and the prophets was summary for, it's a way of saying, this summarized what they knew as their whole Bible. So Matthew is like on this half, the whole Old Testament is on this half, this command, whatever you wish the others to do, to do unto you, you do unto them. That summarizes this whole, this whole section. He's saying, this is how to understand all of it. What do you want them to do to you? Do that to them. If you've got that, you've got this much. It's a really big deal. So I want you to know what the stakes are in getting this, okay? Because I believe as we continue to read through the Sermon on the Mount here, what we're going to see is that not only is this a summary of everything that came before, it is the standard by which you and I are going to be judged. Have you ever been to the fair? I bet in Allegan a couple of people have been to the fair. So, you remember when you were a little kid and you really, really wanted to go on a big ride? You really wanted to. And so, you get in line and, 
you know, you see the standard up there that tells you whether or not you can get into the big ride. And you kind of wait, and you're standing in line, you're nervous, and you get up there, and then what do you do? You stand up against the standard and, and try, like, am I tall enough? Is this going to work? Well, Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, is God's standard. This is God's standard by which he judges us. Are you right with him? Are you living right? This is God's standard. You think of the fair, like that tall standard, and you're trying to measure up. Like, this is the standard. Here's why I think that. Because in the next verse, Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate. This is why I want you to have your Bibles open. Verse 13, chapter 7, verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. There is a road of democratic consensus that leads to hell. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. What is the narrow gate? I believe, according to Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, that's the summary of the Sermon on the Mount, that Jesus came preaching, preaching repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The narrow gate is, I believe, repentance. It is repentance. And so remember what we said repentance is. Repentance is going from living a my will be done life. So I'm going to do what I want to do and I don't care about you. It's living a my will be done life. I'm going to do what I want to do and I don't care about God. I'm going to do what I want to do and what I think makes me happy right now. And that's all I care about. All I care about is me doing it my way, my stuff, how I want it done, and I'll justify myself, thank you very much. I don't really care about you or anything else. This is a my will be done life. Repentance is where we do what Jesus said to do in the Lord's Prayer, and we start praying, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven, and we make a turn from living for ourselves to living for God. From a my will be done life to a your will be done life. It is saying, I totally surrender to your will for me. You are king of me. I obey you. I'm going to write you a blank check with my life, and I'm going to sign it, and you're going to, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do. I'm going to obey you. This is the narrow gate of repentance, and not everybody enters. So, I believe Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, is how you know whether or not you're repenting. Are you living a life that thinks about other people and says, if I was them, what would I want done for me? Do you do, you do that, husbands, for your wives? Do you think, if I was them, if I was her, what would I want in this situation? Wives, I mean, do you do that for your husbands? If I was him, what would I want? And parents, you think about your kids like that? Like, if I, was, if I was them, this is what I would need. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. This is God's, this is the narrow gate. If you keep going, verse 15 
Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Man, it always, it always surprises me, and it shouldn't, but it always surprises me when people tell me that the reason they don't, they're not Christians is because some pastors are hypocrites. And I'm always like, but you, but you know that Jesus said that was going to happen, right? Like, you know that Jesus said that wolves were coming pretending to be sheep. And so Jesus says, you'll recognize them by their fruits. And that's why I brought some fruits up here. Skip down to verse 18. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. I believe chapter 7, verse 12, because Jesus is saying, this is the summary of everything. This is the summary of the law and the prophets. And Jesus said, look, I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And you don't want to even wipe away a jot or a tittle. I came to fulfill all of it. And unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Like, this is what Jesus is saying. If you are repenting, you will bear good fruit. And what is the good fruit? Well, it is, do you think about them? Do you act on what you think they would need or what you think they would want? That is the good fruit. And what is, I mean, Jesus threatens his disciples with hell. I had a professor that used to say, Jesus didn't threaten outsiders with hell but he sure did try to scare the hell out of his disciples. And I, that bears it out. I mean, he, these are disciples sitting around listening to Jesus, and he's going, if you don't bear good fruit, you're going to hell. You'll be like a bad tree that's cut down and thrown into the fire. What is, this, what is the good fruit? It is chapter 7, verse 12. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Whatever you... Wish the others would do to you, you do that to them. Okay, so look at verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Well, how do you know what the will of the Father is? You go to the Bible. What did Jesus say was cliff notes of the whole Bible? Whatever you wish others to do to you, you do, want, you do that to them. For this is the law and the prophets. This is the will of our Father who is in heaven. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. And if you don't do this, because you're like, well, I'm casting out demons and I'm prophesying. You know, I'm preaching great sermons and I'm casting out demons, you know, I'm doing many mighty works, and I'm building great programs, and building great buildings, and Jesus say, look, none of that matters more than small, quiet acts of kindness. And if you don't do the small, quiet acts of kindness, which is the will of my Father who is in heaven, which is Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, then look what he says about them in verse 23. Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Remember the summary of the law and the prophets? Whatever you wish others to do unto you, you do that to them, for this is the law and the prophets. 
Chapter 7, verse 12 is the standard by which we are judged. It is the good fruit, it is the narrow gate. So, what does it mean? Well, let's talk about that. If we're going to do it, we've got to know how to do it. We've got to know what it means. So, let's start with this question, okay? So, as we start, like I said, this is going to be as practical as you want to make it. So, you may be thinking about someone specific, and you want to ask, okay, what would I want if I was them? So, if you're thinking of your spouse, maybe try to get inside your spouse's head. This is why it's important to really study your spouse and think, what, what does he like? And because I know him and I know what he likes, then I'm going to guess he would like this. Or what would she want? And I, because I know her and I know what she's going through, I think she'd want this. Or my coworkers are frantic and busy and what would, how could I really help them? What should I say in this situation? Like, if I was them, what would I want to hear? Just to kind of help, you, help this come home to you, Jesus was questioned um, about this same topic, uh, around the idea of the whole summary of the law is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So same, same basic idea. And they asked Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? You know, trying to make this thing manageable. So Jesus answers the question. To, I try to explain how, how to love. And, and this, is a, this is a practical answer. Maybe step on your toes, practical. And Jesus says, well, a man was traveling down from Jerusalem to Jericho. So that is a steady descent over 16 miles. It drops in elevation um, 3,274 feet. It, Jerusalem is really high. Jericho is really low. And it's a very steep, windy road. That is a picture of the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. And this dude gets jumped by a band of bad guys. And they beat him to death and they take all his stuff and they leave him for dead. And the most religious people you can think of, number one was a priest. He walks by, sees the guy who's the victim. He's beaten, bleeding, dying. And he says, boy, somebody should do something about that. And he kind of goes by on the other side of the road. Then the next really religious person, the person that has a long family line of being religious, he walks by and sees the person bleeding and He's like, well, no, I really got to get home. Boy, I, my wife is going to be mad if I don't get home. Oh, oh, well. So he goes home. What leaves him? Then the Palestinian comes up and sees him and says, all right, I'm going to do something about this. And at this point, everybody listening to the story is like, oh, this is not good. This is really this is, this is really not good. These are going to make, probably make it worse because of the rivalry between these two groups. And so remember what he does? He asks this question. He says, if I, was, if I was laying there bleeding, what would I want done for me? And he says, well, first, first I think I should stop. That's the first thing. Like, if you do that, most of the time you won. <laughs> you did more than anybody else. First, I think I should stop. Then, 
He pours wine. Then he binds up his wounds. First, let's help you stop bleeding. So first, he binds up his wounds. Then he pours wine on it to disinfect it. Then he puts oil on it to salve it. Then he says, well, that's probably still not enough. And old boy can't walk. So he picks him up and he loads him on his animal. And then he leads his animal. Now he has to walk. And the other guy gets to ride and leads his animal to wherever the nearest inn is. And he stays with him and takes care of him. Because if I was him, that's what I would need. Then he gives the inn owner two days' wages. Hey, just, uh, just between me and you, how much do you make in a day? You don't have to shout that out. <laughs> Please don't. How much do you make in a day? Imagine giving two of those for a complete stranger. He gives them, the inn owner, two days' wages and says, look, anything else he needs, go ahead and bill it to me and I'll pay you back on my way back through. This is doing unto others what you wish that they would do to you. So let me ask again. The people that you're close to, are you doing to them what you wish that they would do to you? Would your, would your spouse say that you get this right most of the time? Would your kids say that you get this right most of the time? Would your coworkers, would the, would the other people in your class say that you get this right most of the time. All the time would be better. Is this how you love? Is it empathetic? Like, I'm going to try to understand them so well that I can do unto them as I wish somebody would do for me. Okay? So, as you think about bearing this fruit, measuring up to this standard... The first question to ask is, what would I want? So, as you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophet. Second question is like it, is am I manipulating? So sometimes people are really good at knowing what other people want because they're going to try to give them what they want so they can get what they want. Do you like it? Let me just ask, like, do you like it when people do that to you? Do you like it when people, come, they're, they're nice to you, they come up and talk to you, and you're like, oh, wow, they must like me. Oh, this is kind of great. And then all of a sudden at the end, there's this little, little switch, and you realize that you are just being networked. Do you like that? Do you like it when someone gives you a gift and then tries to guilt you into doing something for them in return? Do you like that, especially when you didn't see it coming, and you're like, oh, so this wasn't a gift, this was a bribe. Do you like that? Like, I'm just being used. That's what this is. Do you like that? I don't think you like that. That's not what you wish others would do to you, so don't do it to them is the point.
It's when there's always a string attached. You know, like, yeah, I know they're going to do that for me, but they, all their gifts come with strings. You don't like that. That is the beauty of Jesus' story about the Good Samaritan is the Good Samaritan's act was only an act of mercy. It was only doing something for someone that he knew could never be repaid. So, why do this? Well, number one, do this because this is God's standard. This is bearing fruit of repentance. This is being right with God. I mean, it is God's standard. Second, why do this? Well, if you do this, if you figure out what they want and you meet their needs, they'll be like, you know what? They understand me. They get me. Don't you want people to think that about you, that you're someone that understands them, that gets them? Number two, do this because they'll say that you are the kind of person that loves like Christ, that loves without manipulation, that loves with a free generosity, without strings attached, that you are just the person that is absolutely kind and not manipulative, and they'll actually trust you. So, ask, what would I want if I was them? Ask, am I manipulating? And third, actually do it. Actually get around to it. So many times it seems like it's easy for us to think, you know, I should really... I think that all the time. I've started emailing myself when I think those things. And then deleting those emails as soon as I see them. I'm kidding. But this is part of it, right? Like, it's like, there's so many things I should do. Like, I should do... Well, Jesus didn't say, have good intentions. He said, follow through. Do it. So actually do it. When you think, I should do this for them, actually do it. I mean... You don't want to be the priest in the story, do you? That looks at the bleeding guy on the side of the road and goes, boy, he should not have been traveling alone. That was really dumb. I'm glad I don't travel alone and keep on walking. You don't want to be the priest, do you? You don't want to be the Levite that is like, but, you know, I would help them if I had more time, but I just don't have time, so I'm just not going to do anything about that. You don't want to be the Levite. Who do you want to be? You want to be the hero in the story that sees the desperate need and does something about it. Someday when you tell a story about where you are right now, you're deciding if you're going to tell the story that, well, you make excuses of like, well, I would have done something, but I couldn't because I... Or you'll tell the story of, it was really hard, but I made a way. You'll tell the story. What kind of story do you want to tell about the decisions you're making right now? So here's where we've been. We talked about what is God asking you to do based on what you know about them. I will, okay, what are you going to do for, and who are you going to do it for? 
What are you going to do? Who are you going to do it for? Who would the Holy Spirit be putting on your heart? Again, we just, like I said in the beginning, just thinking back through the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talked about doing acts of mercy for people that you know need mercy. At the end of Matthew chapter 5, he talked about love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In chapter, at the early part of chapter 5, he talked about when you're offering your gift at the temple and know someone has something against you, then leave your gift at the temple and go and talk to them. Go and talk to people who are mad at you and reconcile with them. What is it that God is calling you to do? And for who? Now, let's talk about why. Because maybe you've been like, why should I kind of all along? And the first obvious answer is because this is good fruit. Because this is God's standard. But here's, here's the thing. I've just got to... Someday... Every last one of us is going to stand before the judgment seat of God. And um, if you go into the judgment seat of God and God says, well, why should I let you into my heaven? And you're like, well, I've done a pretty good job holding to your standard. You know, I've, I've done pretty good. It's a good way to go to hell. If you go in there and say, you know, I've been better than average. Really, when I look at myself and then I look at other people, you know, I've really, I've really been better than 60, 70% of people at this. That is a great way to go to hell. If you go into the judgment seat and you say, you know, you know, I know I wasn't perfect, but I really did the best I could with what I had. I really did. I mean, I mean, if you knew the hand I was dealt and you understood my circumstances, you would see that I really did the best I could with what I had. I tried really hard. That is a great way to go to hell. See, if this standard were enough, the book would end here. But the book doesn't end here because we need more of the story. So Jesus dies on the cross for our sins because none of us can meet this standard. All of us fall short of this standard. We've all sinned. We've all done stuff that was not Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. So what we should, when we get to heaven, what I hope you can say is, I placed my faith in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I hope you can say, I repented from my sins. 
I hope you can say, it is by grace that I am saved. And I hope, look at me, I hope when God looks at your life, he says, yes, I see the works that resulted from that faith. You see what I'm saying? Like, not that you earned it by works, but that because of your faith, you did the right things. You obeyed God because you believed He is Lord and Savior. So I'm not saying you're going to earn it, but I am saying that if you have repented, it will change your life and you'll have fruit of your faith. Your faith will produce work. So, I hope that you're going to say, I am saved by faith, and I hope when God looks at your life, he sees fruit. I hope you're going to say, I have turned from my sin. I was living a me-focused life. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was selfish. I was living for myself. I have turned from that. I am following you, and it is not of me. It is of you, and I hope God can look at your life and see evidence of the repentance in your life. And that evidence will be Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. That you are the kind of person that thinks about what you would want and then you do that for others. I hope you're the kind of person that says, I was a sinner, but I am saved by grace. And because I am saved by grace, I am now displaying evidence of that salvation in good works. And that evidence of salvation and those good works are Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. As you wish others to do unto you, you do unto them. So, why do we do this? We do this because we are saved. Not to get saved, but because he saved us as a result of his salvation. Because he came, because he died, and because he rose. So, what will you do? Who will you do it for? And if you're asking, why should I? It's because of his saving grace coming out in your life. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love us and care for us, that you're growing us and making us more like yourself. Lord, keep working, keep pursuing, keep pulling us towards yourself. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.